Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Uh, my name is Brenda, and I'm really, really delighted to be with you again this morning and to just dig in a little further to this idea of what is the church. Uh, we've heard in past weeks about, and uh, Jean talked to us about the church kind of being this upside-down kingdom where the first are last, the least are greatest. It's like contrary to what we would think. Uh, last week, Jordan talked to us about going, and he challenged us with what's your go? And that if we're not on mission, we're out of commission. So today we're looking at who, who is it that can join the family? Is it everybody always or not? Who is it that you would dare not invite to family dinner? Right? That, that would make our life uh, kind of messy. So bottom line is, who are the excluded and the outcasts in society today? In other words, if Jesus were here, May 2nd, 2021, in Goshen, Indiana, where would we find him hanging out? Who would he be hanging out with? Because I think as we read scripture, as we look at the life of Jesus, we see that it's always been about the outcast and the excluded. We can look in uh, Luke 15, and I, you're gonna find there's no verses on the screen. I'm not even gonna ask you to look it up today. If you wanna take notes, write down the scripture references and dig into it this week. Um, but we, we go to Luke 15, and here the Jewish leaders are super frustrated that Jesus is spending time with like the the dishonest tax collectors and the scornful sinners, like they're just so frustrated that he welcomes them in. And his response to them is chapter 15, where he gives them three parables. He says, listen, this is what it's like. The first parable is about the shepherd, the shepherd who has a hundred lambs and he discovers one of them is missing. So he leaves the 99 and he goes and searches until he finds that missing lamb. And then you know what? He throws a party because the one was found. The next parable is of the, of the woman who has 10 silver coins. She discovers one of them is missing. She basically turns her house upside down trying to find this one lost coin. And when she finds it, what does she do? Yeah, she has a party. She has a celebration. And then the last parable is one of the prodigal son who lost his way. And when he came home, his father welcomed him. And what did he do? There's a party. There's a party. There's always this celebration when one that was lost is found. When one comes home, when one comes back home. Jesus actually goes on to say even specifically that there's more celebration for the one that was lost but returns than for all the righteous people who never strayed. So it's kind of a big deal to him. 
We also find in Matthew 9, where again, the religious people are bickering because Jesus is sitting with sinners. And they just don't understand how he can sit with these lowlies. Jesus overhears this and he says, healthy people don't need a doctor, but the sick will go for treatment. For I have come to invite the outcasts of society and sinners, not those who think they're already on the right path. So Jesus, think about Jesus and who he hung out with, who he associated with. There's Jesus and the woman who was caught in adultery. There's Jesus and Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, the the little guy who couldn't see above the crowd? He was a tax collector, and he just wanted to see Jesus as he passed by. And Jesus saw him in the tree and said, hey, you, today I'm coming to your house. That was kind of frowned upon as well. There's Jesus and the lepers that he cleaned or that he, that he healed. There's the unclean woman that he healed, the criminal on the, cl- on the cross, Samaritans. It goes on and on with the people that Jesus spent time with. And he actually saw them and spoke life into their circumstances. And I think it's this beautiful example of, of building the church, how we are to build the church as in the body of Christ church, not the four walls here. See, we don't build the church just by coming here on Sunday morning. This is a great thing, but we don't build it by coming here and just learning more for ourselves. Maybe have our kids in in kids' church for a little and we get a break. No, see, we've got to think of church here. It's real, Ricky. The break is real. Yeah, I get it. Uh, um, the, The... We've got to think of church here, as we think of restore within these four walls, um, we can think of it as a place that we can come and kind of call home, right? It's like our, it's our home base, a place that we can come, uh, we can encourage each other, we can encourage, be encouraged, we can be real with each other, and, and then go. So from this place, we go and we scatter, much like the early church In Acts, um, after Saul had begun persecuting the church, this was after Stephen's stoning, the church scattered, like they fled. But they didn't just run away. They went everywhere, and they were teaching. They were telling everybody the good news of Jesus. They weren't running away to hide or to protect themselves. I mean, kind of, that was their motivation. But with them, they took the gospel, so that can be this, this, what we can do. Like we can come here, we can encourage, we call it a pep rally, whatever you want. And then we go out and we be the church the other six days of the week. We scatter like that. We show people this way of Christ and, this, and what family can look like. See, I don't think many, if any of us in this space, or anybody that's listening online, I don't think we need more knowledge. I think we need more practice. I think it's time to take the training wheels off the bike and ride. You know, you can know everything there is to know about a bike. You can even be so smart and know like what it takes to the mechanics to get it all put together. You can even know that 
you have to sit on the seat, hold onto the handles, and like pedal your legs. You can know all of that. But until you're actually riding it, like you actually get on the bike and do it, you're not going to know the thrill of the experience of riding the bike and like how fast I can get from one point to another. Yeah, there might be some bumps and bruises, um, but that's how you actually become to know what it means to ride a bike and not just know about it. So in the same way, if we can't see our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, maybe even those people that we don't really like so much, if we can't see them and love them right where they are, how can we say that we actually know God? Because God is love, and I believe love sees. I know it's a risk, but I, for one, certainly don't want to hear everything you have to tell me about riding a bike if you've never, read, never ridden one. You've just read the manual on how to do it. So we've got to practice. We've got to get out of our safe community and into worlds unknown. Those worlds might be right here in Indiana. They might be Africa. But I believe that worlds unknown are really pretty close to us. So back to the question, who is the outcast or the excluded person in our society today? As I was thinking about a few examples, the first one that came to mind was the homeless person. And I know many of you um, join us on Tuesdays and Friday nights as we serve the homeless here in Goshen. And I just think, yeah, they're, they're definitely fit into that outcast and excluded population. I'm thinking of somebody that identifies as LBGTQ. Uh, single moms think they might feel excluded sometimes, as well as the widows and widowers. Um, my parents have friends who have lost spouses, and they just don't know how they fit in anymore with their friends. Any minority group fits into this excluded or outcast. I also think maybe somebody that has a physical or a mental, or is physically or mentally impaired, as well as those that struggle with addiction. You know, we say, well, I wouldn't really know how to interact with him. Or I, I don't know what I would tell my kids about them. Or here's one. I think they might feel kind of awkward around me. Yes, to every white, entitled, and privileged American. Maybe they'll take advantage of me. Like if I give them money, they might come back for more. Or maybe we say, we're just so different. We don't really have anything in common. It would just be really weird. Or you can just insert whatever excuse of choice in that. And yes, those are real questions. I get it unless you choose to be led by God. Because here's the thing, when all we see is all those questions, when we see those what ifs, and if those questions and what ifs, if that's what leads us, fear enters in, and then we're immobilized. Acts, Acts 
text gives us this beautiful picture of how simple it can be. You know, if there's one thing we do is we overcomplicate the gospel. And this is just another way uh, where I think the scripture just shows us so beautifully how simple it can be. I didn't say it was easy, but it can be very simple. So again, I'm just going to read parts of Acts 8 to you and uh, see what challenge we get out of this. Again, this is after Saul has begun persecuting the church. They have fled throughout. And we catch up with a guy named Philip, who was a deacon in the early church. And we catch up with him. And uh, this is how it goes. The Lord's angel said to Philip, now go south from Jerusalem on the desert road to Gaza. That was the direction. How many of you just had a million questions pop up? Like, okay, what all does that mean, right? But listen to Philip's response. He left immediately on his assignment. Who does that? Like, there's so much risk here. So Philip goes, on the way, he encountered an Ethiopian who was a minister of finance for the queen of Ethiopia. He was on his way home from worshiping God in Jerusalem. As he rode along in his chariot, so a man of wealth here, he was reading from the scroll of Isaiah. Here's the Holy Spirit again. Says to Philip, go and walk alongside his chariot. I have a lot of things I would say to that. So Philip immediately ran to catch up with him. As he drew closer, he overheard the man reading from the scroll of Isaiah. Philip asked him, sir, do you understand what you're reading? The man said, well, how can I possibly make sense of this unless somebody explains it? Come on up here in my chariot. So Philip jumps into the chariot and he starts explaining to him from that passage in Isaiah. And he tells him, the wonderful news of Jesus. The Ethiopian sees a, a body of water and he says, hey, we could just, I could get out, we could get baptized right now. And Philip says, well, if you believe with all your heart, I'll do it. He said, I do believe that Jesus is the anointed one. So they stopped the chariot, they jumped out, Philip baptized him, and immediately Philip was taken by the Spirit, this is a whole other sermon, and moved to another, another country where he continued preaching. But the Ethiopian man never saw Philip again. Can we be that obedient? Like, can we eliminate all of the questions and the challenges and maybe not be concerned about the outcome? I don't know if Philip ever knew what the Ethiopian did as he went back into his into his circle and started talking about Jesus. But Philip's, that wasn't Philip's role. I'm thinking, go south Jerusalem on the desert road to Gaza. And I'm thinking, okay, I should have some water. Can I get some water? Um, what am I going to do when I get there? What do I need to take with me? Um, why am I going? Like, I'm thinking... Isn't there a different way we could get to Gaza, like maybe along the scenic route by the, by the sea instead of the desert road? I'd have a million questions. But Philip just went. So how do we do it? How do we do it today? How do we keep it simple? I think first we start by obeying, and we just go and we get out there in the world without questioning. Jesus said, 
go into all the world. Again, last week, Jordan told us, go. Go, get out there and know people that aren't like you. Uncomfortable? Yeah. Awkward? Maybe. I'm thinking of Philip, you know, coming up beside the chariot like, hey, dude, I'm just here walking alongside your chariot. Like, what am I doing here, God? Why do you want me to do this? I'll look like an idiot. But I believe it's beautiful in the best way possible when we can begin to see people the way Jesus sees them, get to the end of ourselves and our fears and our opinions, and we just say yes to Jesus' promptings. Not intimidated or scared to share our story or the story of Jesus when we have an opportunity. So we need to engage the people around us, go to places we don't normally go. How else do we do it? Well, we'd be like Philip. Philip just listened, obeyed, trusted. God will direct your path. He will direct your words. He'll, he'll, he'll enlighten you in the moment. Go without an agenda. Um, just love. Just love. Like appealing to this way of Jesus and his love and his mercy and his grace. And he says to go into all the world. So there's, I don't see any exclusions there. All the world open to wherever God needs you to go. Maybe it's Ethiopia. Like Darren and Jolene last week shared their story of what that looked like. Maybe it's fostering kids right here in Elkhart County. Maybe it has nothing to do with kids at all. But we've got to get out of our safe and if you're like me, very Christian world that I had at one time, it was very, a very safe life that I hadn't created intentionally, but it was very Christian. Go without challenging and questioning God and knowing that he may want to redeem and restore you. Are we open to God revealing himself in a way to us that changes us? as we move into those places. See, this thing of being exclusive and stubborn, as I would be, really does reveal our hearts. So it may be this thing of, of asking God to change our hearts, to, to show us people that he wants us to love, praying for courage, or maybe actually Declaring and embracing all of those things that he already has placed in us to do the work that he is going to call us to. So everything that we need that's going to equip us to go wherever he asks us to go, to do whatever, to talk to whomever, like all of that is already in us if we can just embrace that. See, I believe prayer changes us when we can truly surrender and quiet our hearts so that our hearts can align with the Father's heart, we're surrendered to change. We are surrendered to um, something new. It's laying down our rights. Maybe it's laying down our agenda, our status, and just being obedient. Doing this so that we can, again, I've said this, so that we can see people the way Jesus sees them and love the way that he does. Being willing to go and connect with people on whatever level they need it 
so that God can do his work so that they can see Jesus. See, we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to know the beginning and the end when we step into our go and into that place that God is asking us. We don't have to know what's in Gaza. We just obey, and then God does the work. If we can take simple steps, God will use it. As I look around this space, there are many, many of you that have children that you can influence. And we all have friends. We all have coworkers, maybe family, people that we can be examples to. So I want to encourage us this morning to do just that. Like, let's start by doing it. Little things like um, maybe as we're going about our week, See, we can, we can walk down the street. We can be on our, on our way and not see anybody around us. We can get kind of tunnel vision and busy, right? Got this place to go, this place to go. I don't have time. But man, what does it do if we can just see somebody, eye contact, and a smile? Maybe even add a hello to see people. Gene and I were on vacation last week, and while I was waiting in line one day for lunch, uh, this guy and I struck up this conversation, and it was just pretty, you know, chit-chat, shooting the breeze, and he got his food, and as he left, he said, hey, blessings, and I thought, oh my goodness, and I immediately thought, I mean, this is a sidebar, but I thought, oh, I wonder what opportunity I missed here. What else we could have talked about, right? But, but just the, the impact that that had on me for him to just bless me in that way. We can be great examples when we love others that believe differently than we do. We can be examples of the love of Jesus by having those that we would think of that might be messy, those excluded or outcasts, like, we have them over for coffee or dinner, like in our homes? I think that'd be a great way to show the love of Jesus. We can also be examples by engaging people instead of ignoring them, like asking questions, um, speaking life. Again, last week, uh, one day, Jean and I were um, at a pool at the place we were staying, and this place had two pools. One was adults only, and we got kind of tired of the drunk girl screaming loudness. So we decided to go to the other pool, which was kind of risky because there would be kids, right? And we're kind of like really old fogies when it comes to vacation. We just like quiet and peace. But um, we decided, well, let's give it a try. And side note, it was beautiful. I loved the kids' noises much better than the drunk girl. And it was very relaxing. But the place that we were sitting actually had kind of this lazy river going around it. And Gene and I were sitting there kind of observing. And this dad comes through with his little, I don't know, five, six-month-old. He was in this little floaty thing. It had a roof on it and everything. The kid had a big hat on. He was not getting any sun. He was having so much fun. And the dad was just, you know, spending time with him. And Gene looks over at him and he says, hey, good job, dad. 
And I don't think he quite knew what to do with it. He kind of grinned awkwardly and just, you know, kept going. But I thought, well, how cool. Like, I wonder if he's heard that recently. You know, you're doing a good job. And how easy it is. Like, those words don't cost us anything. Nothing. It could be really, really easy to do. And how about we are examples of the love of Jesus by giving instead of judging? I've talked about this before, about my conviction with the people that I see on the corner with the sign that they're needing money. And, you know, the thoughts that went through my head. Instead of, you know, maybe with your kids in the car um, saying, well, they can just go get a job. Or why don't they get a job? If they can stand out here all day, they can go get a job. How about you're just prepared to give them some money? Maybe give them the whole bag of Target stuff you just bought. I don't know. It's not my responsibility what they do with it. My responsibility is to be obedient. And how about by just being the church? Not just bringing people to this church, the Four Walls Church here, and letting Jean save them, right? How about you share your story with someone and the work that, they've, that God has done in your life and the good news that Jesus is to you? See, you can do it. You can do it. And let's extend grace because we can see potential not because of what we know about the other person or about ourself, but because of what we know that Jesus can do and the work that he can do in them. So maybe our next go is going to places that aren't full of Christians and then just doing all those things I just gave examples of. Where are places that you could go that might be a little uncomfortable? See, at the end of the day, we are each individually responsible for what we've done with the gospel. What we've done with this good news of Jesus. So can we be like Philip and just go to Gaza? Ready to obey and to trust God to guide our path, ready to engage whoever it is that is in our path. We won't likely see a chariot, but whatever it is today that might intimidate you, can we just go and do what he asks of us? Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.